This is episode 20 of the No Limits Podcast. As always, welcome back. We're glad that you're here. The podcast is brought to you by Tangle Free Waterfowl. You work hard all year anticipating the small window of time you get to spend in the blind. How disappointing is it then to get to that moment only to have your gear fail? Tangle Free delivers gear that functions exactly as it's designed to every time, year after year after year. I always say, don't waste your hard-earned time and money on gear that only lasts a year or two. Head over to TangleFree.com for panel blinds, layout blinds, decoys, and accessories. And because you're a valuable No Limits subscriber, you'll get free shipping on your entire order. Just enter promo code PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, at checkout. And so think about how much you can save on bulky, expensive-to-ship items like blinds and decoys and bags. TangleFree.com, promo code PASSION at checkout for free shipping. TangleFree.com. Is your coffee hunter-friendly? Do you really know where your coffee comes from? Who are you really paying to get it here? And what are the political ideologies and agendas of the buyers and middlemen? Come on, Joey, what are you getting at? Well, what if I told you there's a coffee producer that buys directly from the farmer, cuts out the anti-Second Amendment, anti-hunting middlemen, supports the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance, who, by the way, if you don't know who that is, they fight all of our legal battles against terrible anti-hunting legislation as it comes through the courts. Um, and what if I told you that company also has really great-tasting, full-body, delicious coffee? You would say, Wow. Who is that company? And I would say Hunter's Blend Coffee is that company. We had Paul and Mike of Hunter's Blend Coffee on the podcast. Uh, it was episode 16, explaining their revolutionary approach to their direct trade model and the impact it's made on the poor farming communities. I would invite you to go back and listen to episode 16 of the podcast. It was an amazing discussion. I had no idea how much of an involved process it is just to get coffee from either South America or Vietnam to the United States. It was amazing. This new purchasing model has put money back into the farming communities, helped open churches, made healthcare available, and has absolutely changed lives, not to mention helped fight terrible anti-hunting and anti-Second Amendment legislation where we need it most in the courtroom. Head over to huntersblendcoffee.com. While you're there, click on the documentary link, and you'll see the video telling the story that I just described above. Hunter's Blend is great coffee and a great mission. Huntersblendcoffee.com. My guest today is a guy that I have grown to love over the last few years. Drew Seals is a talented content and film creator, super passionate and a borderline obsessive perfectionist when it comes to telling stories and drawing up emotions from film and still images. He has worked with Brian and I on several projects because the dude is crazy dedicated to getting the shot. It seemed like every time we've ever been on location with Drew, he always has a camera out. Always. The dude never stops. Uh, today we talk about growing up in coastal southern Mississippi, not too far down the road from where I am. We talk about his time playing uh, collegiate golf, which is something I cannot do. We talk about how terrible I am at golf also. Uh, we talk about what golf taught him. Um, Drew also does something that I think very few people today, especially guys, are willing to do, and that's share their mistakes, 
the repercussions of those mistakes and how those mistakes actually fit into a bigger plan that he now sees and not only fully embraces, but has totally poured himself into walking the path that God has set before him. Uh, We talk about how Drew was drawn to creating beautiful, moving content by a desire to start filming his own deer hunts at a young age and, and how following that dream has led him to a career that he could have never dreamed of or reached on his own. Drew and I talk about our trip to Canada. Uh, you guys that have listened to the podcast have heard me talk about that trip a couple of times. But Drew and I talk about that trip last year where, where he made the life-changing decision to accept Christ and what the impact has been within his life since then. Finally, we discuss his role within Nature's Eye Media and how his talents as a creative supports the overall conservation mission of Nature's Eye Consulting. Um, In everyone's life, there are a few people who just make your life more enjoyable because they're in it. And for me, Drew Seals is one of those people. Uh, we've shared the bottom of trees and flooded timber, uh, layout blinds and chickpea fields, uh, panel blinds and cornfields, and lots and lots of uh, windshield time. And I can honestly say that I have loved every single minute of it. He is one of my best friends. So without further delay, here's my friend and brother in Christ, Drew Seals of Nature's Eye Media. We are rolling. Drew Seals, what's happening, brother? Man, you see it. Just trying to live the dream. Living the dream in 2019. I'm getting over a cold. Yeah, I heard that. Which, having a cold in the summer sucks. Like, if you think of the best Christmas you've ever had, it's the exact opposite of that. Yeah, but at least you're getting it out now. That way, whenever it's duck season, you can be full 100. That's funny, man. I don't... That's right. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Who said that? Matt Robertson. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I don't man. get sick during hunting season. Like, in the worst, wettest, nastiest weather, I'm I'm good to go. It's in a the mental summer, thing. I don't know. It's all in your whatever head. Whatever it man. is. But, well, I don't know, man. You've been putting some good stuff out, dude. I'm glad that you're finally able to get on the big, huge, world-famous podcast with us. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to be here thanks for having so me. yeah so it if you know if you haven't seen drew seals work either where he started with lazy lab productions or his own stuff and now with nature's eye media i guess you've been maybe you've been asleep or you haven't had internet access for years but um you've been turning out some it's been interesting for me to watch your progression and maturation from um, a f- starting out as just a content creator into a a really super and, and look, I tell this to people all the time: a really super talented um filmmaker and and creator of just really really beautiful stuff. So proud of you, man! That I appreciate that. I I do take it serious. I uh I like to tell people 
I think Conor McGregor said it actually. I'm not talented. I'm obsessed. Uh, yeah. That's that's me, man. I lose sleep over this stuff for sure. You do. I do a lot. Like I know from being on hunts with you that you yeah. do. I take it pretty pretty serious. I mean, in the moment, I, I live in the moment, but deep down, I'm just the wheels are always turning. Yeah, well, always turning. Having shared a few duck blinds and trees and pit oh, blinds yeah. and camps with you, I can attest that that is absolutely correct. But give everybody a background, kind of where because you grew up not too far from me. I'm in Covington, Louisiana. You grew up on the coast, not too far from me. Talk about kind of where you grew up and what were you into as a as a kid, because you weren't always into the creative photography and filming and, and no man. Uh, yeah. About most creative I would get was I drew a little bit, you know, I would design tattoos for buddies and draw pictures and stuff like that. But yeah, as far as a camera goes, man, I was just like, mm, nah, not for me, you know? And then, yeah, just one day I'll, I'll back up. I'll go back to where it all started. You know, I grew up in a little town called Wiggins, Mississippi. You know, it's 30 miles north of the beach, pretty much right where Hurricane Katrina hit. That's the best way I tell, you know, folks. I'm just like, remember Katrina back in 05? Yeah, like <laughs> right where she hit. That's that's pretty much my stomping ground. So. Yep. so, yeah, I grew up there and, you know, it was all red fishing and whitetail archery hunting for me, man. Uh, I wasn't much of a feathers guy. And I grew up there, and ultimately I left there and went to college just down the road in a little town called Perkinston. It's literally neighbors to Wiggins and uh, in the same county. And played golf there and played there for two years. We went to national championships. I was I was decent at golf. I wasn't no Tiger Woods, man. I, was, I, could, I could play a little bit, you know, shoot around level par, even par. Yeah. Do you know what that means? Bit. You play golf? Me? Yeah. Dude, let me explain something to you about me and the game of golf. There is no safe place on the, well, what do you call it, a golf course? I'm starting to say golf field. Yeah, let's not do that. That, that, that ought to tell you everything you need. But there is yeah. no safe place. I can hit the ball as far as you want it. I just have no idea where it's going. And – that's the way I understand it. A pretty important part of the game is you need to know where the ball's going. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't picked that yeah, part up yet. Yeah. That's, that's a big step. If you want to be good at it, I mean, you can go out there and play, which is what probably I say 90% of America does is just go out there for fun, a couple of drinks with your buddies. And you even see ducks on golf courses too. That's a beauty. Yeah, that that would be the only reason that I would go is to maybe smack a goose with an some, iron, iron, especially some uh, Canada geese, man. They're yeah, everywhere. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm not the guy. Like, if I can't do it, I'm not saying I have to master it and be a professional at it. But if I can't go and be decent at it and compete, I get really super frustrated. That makes sense. Well, you're yeah, that's just your nature, man. You just want to be the best. There's nothing wrong. No, with that. I, I don't. That's the thing, man. I don't. <laughs> Like I, I don't care what the score is. Like I just, I just don't want, I don't want to spend half the day looking for balls in the woods, um, and then spending like seventy five dollar green fees to do it. Like I just, oh, I just yeah, assume. I didn't, see, I don't think about the money, man. I got spoiled on golf. I got really spoiled. Like even yeah, you didn't to have this to pay. day, yeah. Well, that and like even like today, I can if I go back home to Mississippi, 
I just call my old golf coach, Tommy Snell, super great guy. I owe him a, a lot. You know, he taught me a lot of things as far as just growing up and stuff like that. I was, I was a dumb college kid, man. And, you know, just call him and he get me on courses all over the coast. So I'm, I'm spoiled. I've probably paid a handful of green fees in the past five years. Yeah, but you know what? It, you should always seek to learn something from anything that you're doing. And so here's what I learned about golf is that I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and that if what I learned about myself is that I, I need to, like I said, I don't need to be the best, but I at least want to do something well. And I learned that that's not the place for me to do that. Um, I, I just, I can't, whatever it is, man. And, and it's funny, the ball never moves. I can hit a baseball <laughs> way better than I can it's, hit a golf ball. And the golf ball will never move. Exactly. It's It's that... The hardest course is the six inches between your ears. Maybe that's my problem. That's where golf is, man. It's it's a ment- it's just like your little cold you got. It's all in your head. Yeah. You know, wow. you're down and out. It's not duck season. You're seeing all these pictures. I'm sure Brian's showing you clips from Canada, and you're just like, I'm sick of it not being duck season. You know. So you're yeah. Just well, we just starting to get a little. Yeah, sick. we just got the boat. We got the boat sold. So I'm waiting for the new duck boat to come in um you know can't fish can't hunt i guess Mm -hmm. i'll have to work i'm telling you it's mental but what did what did what did like on no no kidding what did golf what did you learn from golf golf taught me i would say the the biggest thing it taught me was patience you know you got to be patient you're always waiting on the next guy to hit and you know we didn't get golf carts you know we had to carry our bag so everywhere we're going, you know, get out the golf course. You got to grab your clubs out of the back of the van, walk across the parking lot. You know, the whole time you're talking to your teammates, you know, you're playing as a team. I mean, it was a team sport. We had, indiv- you know, you could win individually, but ultimately we're there to win as a team. Because if, if one guy wins, well, only that one guy gets to go to the national tournament. You know, well, I want all of my boys to go with me. So, yeah. I say we, we just go in there and try to win as a team. If you win as an individual, that's just icing on the cake. And I was actually fortunate enough to win the state championship when I played for the Gulf Coast Bulldogs. I won state and uh, as an individual, but more importantly, our team won. You know, as a as a team, we won by like nineteen shots. It wasn't even close. We were wow. we dominated, man. We were pretty good and. We, uh, we made it to nationals both years in a row, and I think our best finish was third or fourth. We were leading after two rounds um, my second year, which would have been my sophomore year, final year at JUCO. You know, only the two years there. Right. And uh, But, we you know, we didn't win a national championship, and but the Bulldogs did win. I think two years ago they won a national championship, so Coach Snell got his uh, – got his ring he's well deserving of that as well so that's cool that an individual sport like golf taught you the value of teamwork yep exactly man like i said it was it was fun to go out there and and try to you know we were all competitive because you know to make the tournament man we had 14 guys on our team and the top five get to go so throughout the week we're playing against our own teammates to try to make it to the tournament and i was a walk-on man i was i played 
you know, there at Stone High, my buddy Jacob, you know, middle school, he's like, man, get some clubs. It was like eighth grade. He was like, get some clubs, man. I live on hole 14 here at our our little course there in town, Pine Bear and Wiggins. And was like, man, you know, get some clubs. Come play with me. We'll go and, and just see how you like it. And I was like, sure. And, you know, the first time I went out there, I think, you know, within my first, like, two weeks, I was shooting in the 80s on – 18 holes. All right, so you, now that's, that right there is what pisses me off. That right there. <laughs> I mean, I played there. baseball growing up. I mean, it was just – I just teed it up and gripped it and ripped it. I didn't even interlock my fingers. And, you know, now I, I, I do an overlap grip just because I hook the piss out of the ball. So, I got to overlap to keep me from hooking it. And I don't get too technical. I'm kind of like a Bubba Watson, if, if you will. Nowhere near as good. But I, I'm just a field player. So, I just kind of – if I feel like I'm going to hit it good, I'm more than likely I'm going to hit it good. I don't get real technical and do a lot of the drills and stuff that you see on TV and all this stuff. I'm just like, man, let's just go play. You know, it's, it'll happen if it's yeah. Gonna be you a know good what? Day. That's that's true though because I can uh, I take it back. I can hit a seven, eight, or a nine iron accurately and far, or, or you know, well. I can. So if the game of golf involved those three clubs only. I'm gold, dude. Well, you but said which clubs? Your seven, seven eight. eight, and nine. Yeah, so you're low. I mean, well, which is what everybody figure out how to position yourself to where you're always hitting the seven, eight, and nine iron. Yeah, know? and but I, I mean, that's not the way the game's supposed to be played, though. Says I mean, who? Well, it's <laughs> there's no. I mean, you're missing no out right or on. Wrong way. I know, but you're you're missing out on. You you play a seven, eight, or nine iron, you're never going to win. Well, that's and, like. You know, some of these courses that I play, you know, my buddies, every every par four we get to, they're grabbing driver, teeing it up, knocking the piss out of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm taking my four iron because I know if I hit my four iron right in the middle of the fairway, that'll leave me my eight iron in. Like, yeah, if I hit a good driver, I'll have a wedge in, but if I hit that driver bad, which is going to happen because I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm better with irons. My short game was what saved me. I was never the big hitter. I'm... Right. I weighed 100 pounds soaking wet. You know what I mean? It was just uh-huh. – I was a short game. That's where I made my money. Well, you weigh 105 now, so. Oh, no, I wish. <laughs> I'm definitely putting it on. No, I but what I was saying is duck season. it's what you said about a mental thing is right because if yeah. I if my hand touches mm-hmm. anything other than one of those three cl- – or a putter, I'm pretty decent at being able to read a green and keep yeah. it, you know – keep uh, rarely will i three putt anything but hey, drive for show putt for dough baby yeah well the thing is when i put my hand on any one on any club other than a seven eight or nine a bell goes off in my head that says you know you can't hit that club exactly that's just like, like if you step up on a tee box and there's a pond to the right you're like okay let's not slice it here there's a pond over yeah, there well guess what do where you it's do going. it's going in the drink i mean right. it's inevitable right well, yep I'm there like right now, man. I went out and played the other day, and I probably shot like a 78, 79 on a course I've never looked at. Like, I was thrilled. <laughs> you know what I mean? I made a bunch of dumb bogeys, and but it was just it was easy. You know, it's just like riding a bike for me. I mean, it's I can just pick it up and and do it. Yeah, but I so, enjoy it. it's therapeutical for me. So what happens after? Like, take us through the yard. So you're at. Yeah, I'm at Gulf Coast, and, you know, I'm playing there, and I told Coach, he was like, you know, he's he's a big help, but he's like, well, what do you want to do after this? I'm like, Coach, I want to I wanna be 
I want to go whoop Tiger. You know what I mean? I want to be. I want to play at Augusta <laughs> one day. I want to. I want to. I want my green jacket. If you know what I mean. You know. I want. And he I said, wanna, "No, really. What do you want to do?" Yeah, he's like, "Well, uh, okay. Let's see here. Let's baby steps. Right. Do you want to continue to go to school, or are you going to try to like, you know, go and try to make it on these little small mini tours or what? I was like, no, you know, I'm going to go to school. I want to have a degree because, I mean, chances, I was realistic. You know what I mean? I'm not that crazy pipe dreamer. I was like, no, I mean, I'm probably not going to go pro, but who knows, you know? So I, I want to have a degree to back it up. And right. he was like, well, you know, I talked to the guys at William Carey and they're very interested in you and a couple other guys on the team. Would you be interested in going there? And that's 30 minutes north of Wiggins and town called Hattiesburg where Southern Miss is the Eagles where Brett Favre played football Golden Eagles the Golden Eagles and uh I grew up going to Southern Miss games my aunt and uncle and cousins they all had season tickets they all graduated from there you know so I was familiar with the area you know running back and forth fishing up my aunt's pond and stuff so I knew the Hattiesburg area I was like yeah sure all my buddies were going to Southern and stuff and I was like, man, right. that'd, that'd be perfect. You know, I'd, I'd love to, you know, do that. And I can, it'll give me, you know, several more years to practice and get more tournament play. And we'll just take it from there. And so we signed a, signed a scholarship with William Carey, moved up to Hattiesburg with some buddies and moved into a, you know, an apartment there and started living the college life. And Uh-oh. Yeah, and that's where everything went south, if you will, for me. I mean, looking back at it now, I would say it all went north. I mean, because I wouldn't trade anything, you know, yeah. where I'm at now. is just, I love it. But well, what happened? At the time, you know, I was just a dumb kid drinking and having, having a good time. Didn't really know. You know, I was really undecided on my major you know, growing up, I told my dad, I'm going to be an engineer one day and then realized calculus was not for me. So <laughs> and I was like, man, I didn't know there were so many numbers involved in building stuff. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, he was like, uh, yeah, son, that's yes. pretty much the gist of it. So it's like, well, maybe, maybe I could be a nurse. What if, what if I went to be a nurse? My stepmom was a labor and delivery nurse and you know, blood don't really bother me. I don't, you know, the gore stuff don't really bother me. I loved horror movies. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I kind of like weird movies and stuff like that with blood and guts. I was like, I could be a nurse. Sure. So, Nightmare on Elm Street, you want to be a nurse now. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. I was like, sure. You know, it don't bother me. I'd like to work in like a emergency room. Like, that'd be cool. You know, I could help save folks and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, so I decided I was going to be a nurse. And literally, I just applied for the nursing school at William Carey. Or I was about to apply, and like I think it was honestly, I think it was like that week. I was at a club, left there. My one of the guys on our golf team was trying to fight a linebacker for Southern Miss. I'm like, hmm. dude, we're on the golf team at William Carey, and you're trying to fight the linebacker from Southern Miss. Let's not do that. I know, I know my boundaries. You know what I mean? I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm gonna try to hug it out. So. I was like, man, if you're, I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not going to be involved with this. So I go to leave. I've had way too much to drink. Like this, honestly, half of this story is just hearsay, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was an idiot and backed into a car, left there, got pulled over, stuffed and cuffed, DUI, boom, man, thought the world was going to end, man. The worst thing I I knew I had to call my dad and tell him, and that was 
that alone was going to kill me. Like, yeah. I just knew he was going to be so disappointed in me. And that was my biggest fear in life was making my parents, you know, angry or, you know, not, I wanted to make them proud. So yeah. I knew that was a complete opposite. Right. Had, had that call and, and man, you know, mom come up, it's okay. You know, we live and learn, you know, everything's going to be all right. And I was like, I know, I know, but I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. You just, I just felt so small. Right. And I'm not even kidding you, man. It was a month and 10 days after that incident. I was at a friend's house, had probably five or six beers. I was underage too. I was 20 at the time. So I head back home and lo and behold, as I'm pulling into my apartments, I get pulled over again for apparently my headlights were on bright or something of that sort. You know, just a simple traffic stop. Right. The guy's like, man, have you been drinking? You smell like whiskey, this whole... You know, the whole cop spill. No, sir, I haven't been drinking. Hiding a full... I just opened up my last beer on the ride home. I mean, that's how how it was. You know what I mean? It was just... Yeah, I figured out from working with law enforcement that they don't ask you questions that they don't already know the answer to. Exactly. So... But I'm Keep over that in here. your back pocket. Exactly. Well, yeah. And then, you know, I'm like, man, I haven't been drinking. And then... You know, he's like, well, if you don't blow in this uh, breathalyzer, you know, that's that's you saying, you know, you're going to have to go to the jail with me, da, 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 da. And I was like, all right, fine, I'm, I'm not, you can take me up there. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, by the time I get up there, I've only had five beers. I'll be fine. They'll let me go. Mm. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, heck, by that time, my tolerance for alcohol was really high. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, college kids can drink till the cows come on. And, uh. You know, I get up there, blowing the breathalyzer. It's like a point oh oh two. Well, dumb me. I'm underage. Anything. If I registered anything, yeah, it's a DUI. So, literally, I got two DUIs in a month and ten days apart. Mm. Yeah. So, can you imagine having to call your dad back and say, "Hey, Dad, remember that yeah. one I got a month ago?" Yeah, yeah, got a matching set now. Yeah, exactly. I got a pair. So I was a real winner, man. Uh, so what was the fallout from that? What so happened? The fallout from that was, I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. I went to the went to the golf course there in Hattiesburg to practice and hit some chips and putts on the putting green. Grabbed me a bucket of range balls, and as I was grabbing my range balls. Coach was like, hey, Drew, I need to talk to you for a second. I was like, all right, yes, sir. I went in there to the pro shop, and I knew it was going to be kind of serious, you know, because he had the table ready for me in the back corner away from everyone, and I was like, yeah, this isn't going to be good, I don't think. I just had that had that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's just like, man, look, you're the number one guy on the team right now, and the words got out about your incidents – and it's reached, it went really high up into the, you know, the college and stuff like that. And, you know, these people, they just, they feel like they don't, they don't want the press, I guess. I mean, not that the press is too big for a No, but it affects like the that. image. But yeah, I mean, it's a Christian school. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. this kid coming in thinking I, the world owes me something, thinking I'm bulletproof and invincible and, 
he said, man, we, we've decided that we're going to allow you to finish out the school year, you know, with your scholarship it's paid for. And, you know, all that will be fine, but you're not going to be able to play golf for this team anymore. And, dude, when I tell you that killed me, that was like just ripping my heart out. And, you know, I asked him, I was like, all right, well, can I at least, you know, finish hitting this bucket of range balls? He was like, yeah. Yep, you can do that, but you know, just just know that you know you're no longer needed at practice or you know any tournaments and such, and you can turn in this and that. And wait a minute, so you just got kicked off the team? Your your scholarship pulled? Yep. No, and the one thing yeah. you wanted to know is, can I finish hitting hitting a bucket of range balls? Yep. So I grabbed my <laughs> grabbed my bucket of range balls. I went out there and I hit That's a bunch. So of, bizarre, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I didn't want to call Dad. I didn't want to go back home because that was gonna, I was going to regret every minute of that. I, I didn't. I didn't know where I was going to go. So I was like, "Can I go hit these range balls?" He was like, "Yeah." I guess you just want to like clear, you know. And I, I cried the whole time. I, I probably hit thirty shanks. I don't even know. You know what I mean? I, I could have missed a few balls. I don't even know. I was just swinging. I mean, just trying to hit them all in the past the range into the woods. I mean, yeah. And, man, I was playing some good golf at that time, and it was effortless. Like, I would show up hungover to practice and shoot 71, 70, you know, on a bad day, 75, 76, and I'd be pissed off mm. for shooting over par, you know. I mean, I was I was playing decent, and, man, it was, it was rough. But, you know, after that, I left, moved back home, started working with a buddy, his dad owned a uh, on the company they make you know like masonry stonework and stuff so mm-hmm. I, I started working with them and you know we were good buddies he actually played on my high school and he played with me at, at gulf coast as a walk-on as well so like you know i had friends and stuff in my town but i just i still was like man there's something out there i'm supposed to be doing you know what i mean like I thought yeah, but did you golf. ever have, have you ever thought like so maybe what would have happened if if I had just made a couple of different decisions, yeah, like because like right now I don't I don't even drink no more. Like I, I don't I have a that. glass of I have a glass of wine or something with a steak, but maybe one or two beers here and there. But like it, it never goes past. I just I've lost the taste for it. I don't know. It's just it's not for me no more. And I think it's for the better, but. Well, yeah, I know man, it is. Looking looking back, you know, like, man, what if I was like this back then, you know? I, but that same part of me is like, well, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't know Joey. I probably wouldn't know, you know, Blake or, yeah. you know, I probably would have never got to see these. And that's why I asked you that. Yeah, that's why so. I asked you that because I have done some monumentally stupid things that have cost me and my family, you know, mom, dad, you know, ton of money and opportunities and absolutely so you can go back and go what if but the other side to that is well i just i have to put faith in the fact that god had a plan for me even then and he knew that i was going to do that and he knew that i was going to screw up um and it was part of his part of my growing my maturation phase to go through those look man everybody I tell my kids this all the time. The problem right now is every the world expects perfection, and there's nobody that's perfect. No body with anything. But 
on social media, on everybody expects perfection because if you don't have it, there's somebody out there going, see, look, look at this. How come you don't have this? How come you don't have that? It does exist, yeah. Dude, I was was on, did a podcast um, a couple of days ago with with Travis Sipe, you know, a guy we hunt with in Kansas, and uh, we're talking about that. It's like, everybody is so ready to jump in everybody else's dish um, because I don't know if it makes them feel better about themselves, but the, the bottom line is the world expects perfection and there's just, there's no way you're going to get it. And you, you are designed, everybody was designed from the get go as fallible. You're going to fail. The only thing that you can determine is, um, did you learn anything from it? And you did after your second one. You know, some people just learn at a different yeah, like, Maybe I ought okay. not do this no more. I'm not real good at it. <laughs> I'm not good at getting away with this stuff. But it, did you did you learn something, and are you going to adjust your behavior to where that doesn't happen anymore? That's the only thing that you can ask yourself when yep. stuff like that happens. Yep. And looking at, you know, the what we just talked about and where you are now, which is the next part of the conversation I want to get into. Yeah. Um, I think you have learned a great deal from it. And there's some things that you and I are going to talk about that are going to prove that I think you've learned a good deal from it. But talk to me about, um, all right, so you are, you're kind of, you're caught between a rock and a hard place, right? Nothing's kind of, you're wondering. Nothing's going my way, man. It's just, I'm just teeter-tottering from college to college. And then, you know, now I'm like, all right, college is out of the picture because I can't afford William Carey, and I know I'm right. not going to ask my parents to continue. I mean, it's, you know, a pretty expensive school, and I'm like, well, back to work I go, you know. So yeah, started working, and, you know, eventually I met Lindsay, and then she, man, I mean, she literally would take me to my Your wife, my wife, Lindsay. Yeah, she moved from Oklahoma City to Gulfport, where my mom was living at the time, and uh, met my mom. My mom was the wingman on that on that whole deal and was like, Hey, I need, I got a son. I want you to meet. And Lindsay was like, look, I'm not here. I'm here for Marine animals. She, she moved from Oklahoma city to train Marine animals. Really? All things. Yeah. A flatlander from Oklahoma wanted to train dolphins and sea lions and, and you, and I'm a seals. That's what my dad's, that's right. Horrible dad joke. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're training the seals now. <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, so met her, and, like, she actually took me to my DUI classes because my license were suspended. So she would drive me down to the courthouse, drop me off, come pick me up hours later. You know, I just felt, I was like, she don't deserve this. Like, who, what, why is she hanging out with me? Like, I don't know what, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what does she see? I don't know. So, Grace she was is a, hard a thing blessing. To, Grace man. is a hard thing to comprehend, dog. No kidding. It was just like, okay, I'm just, I'm not going to say nothing. I don't want her to run away, you know. So, yeah. And then, you know, eventually, I got a job working with my dad in my hometown. It's like the job. My grandpa retired from there. My dad, he he's been there for twenty. He got hired the year my mom got pregnant with me. He got hired there. And, you know, it's like the job to get in Wiggins. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a good salary. It's you work half the year and it's at a, it's a paper mill is what it is. Paper plant. Right. They make, you know, certain types of different types of papers. And, you know, I was doing that and, but I worked the swing shift. So, I mean, it, and 
by then, you know, I'm starting to get into the whole filming thing. I started filming my own hunts. And, you know, me and dad would go to Ohio, like, first year I got hired on that put in my vacation for the rut. November, second week in November, we all go to Ohio bow hunting. And, uh, you know. Just like a traditional yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this, this past year was the first year. You know, like I said, I went when I was 13 and got my first deer with a bow when I was 13. I think I told you that earlier uh-huh. uh, off the record. But, yeah, I was 13 when I got my uh, first deer with a bow little six point in ohio and man i was just this is what life is about bow hunting whitetails is it's the best thing on earth you know i was like this is what i want to do if i can somehow find somebody that will give me money to do this (laughs) i will have figured out life so that's when i was like man i want my own hunting show that's the only way i can be able to hunt and get paid and, and and do it as much as I want to do it, you know what I mean? And this job wasn't bad. I was like, Hey, this job will work. You know, I can, I can work here and I get half the year off. I can put in my vacation every year for the rut. You know, it's not too bad. And then that's when I realized how obsessed I was with the filming side of it. You know, me and my dad and Owen, we all go up to Ohio and I look over and dad's got his bow in his bag and he's just staring at me. And I got my bag, my camera bag, my bow, my climbing sticks, my stand on my back, and he's just shaking his head like, what is wrong with you? Like, we're here to kill deer, son. And I'm like, Dad, but if we, if I get it on film, like, it'll be way better than your story, you know? Like, yeah. I just, and even if I don't, like, I, I just, I think it'll be fun, you know, to give it a shot. And I'm over here making him, like, pull the truck out just to get B-roll shots. And they pull in and do that again so I can see our sticker on the back and, I had started this clothing company called Bullets, Barbs, and Broadheads, and I used that kind of as my platform and, you know, just sold clothes and stuff to kids and people, and it was just, you know, kind of like my little platform. And, you know, it started started with self-filming bow hunts, and then, you know, I started seeing shows on TV like Heartland Bow Hunter and stuff like that, and I was just like, man, why mm-hmm. does their footage look different than mine? I don't yeah. get it. Are they doing something different? Are they editing it different? And then, you know, I start doing my research. I got a master's in YouTube University. I mean, <laughs> I just was like, man, You're why? the third person that said that on this podcast, by the way. Really? Yeah. Yeah, YouTube needs to throw you some. Uh, I know, man. Yeah. Throw you some chicklets, deal. man. Heck, yeah. So I'm like, man, you know, just if I can figure out how to make my stuff look like theirs, maybe, maybe one of these guys will hire me and then I can film them and on my off days, you know, I'll just be surrounded yeah. by deer and it sounds like heaven. And honestly, I wasn't even really worried about making money. I was just like, I just want to do this for fun. And, and then it was just like, I started realizing, okay, they're using SLR cameras and interchangeable lenses and not this little camcorder that I bought. So literally I bought a, like a G20 camcorder three and a half years ago Mm -hmm. and had it for maybe a month i took it to ohio brought it back and that's when like i think on the ride home i was like all right yep this camera's got to go this is not the right camera i need i need one like they got because i want my stuff to look like theirs right and bought a canon 70d and the kit lens that come with it and an 85 1.8 
didn't know what the hell 1.8 meant. I was like, I, don't, I didn't even know what 85 meant. I was like. I still don't. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Don't lie. No, I don't. You're, you got what it takes. You could be a no. cameraman if you want. No. <laughs> right. I'm telling you. Dude. It's in there. No, I, I can maybe see a cool shot. That that's it. But that knowing what like what the hell an eighty five two fifty would no wrong, I have no idea. All I know is when you or Brian say here hold the camera and it's the red, I get really really nervous. Man, I sell them every day, brother. Still get red. <laughs> yeah, they sell them every day, but Joey ain't got enough money to buy him when he drops. So insurance, brother, insurance. I know. But All yes, right, so keep going. So, you want to way so back yeah. from Ohio? You got your Canon. And yeah, so I, I, well, I looked at wedding videos because Lindsay had a friend getting married in Oklahoma, and I said, I asked them, you know, I said, do y'all have a videographer for your for your wedding? And they're like, well, we, you know, no, we didn't really budget for a videographer. We got a photographer or two photographers coming out. You know, we we just want photos really. And I was like, well, I got a little proposition for you. I'll film your wedding for free as long as you don't criticize how the video turns out. <laughs> They said deal. You know, who, who would say no to that? So I, I'm looking up wedding videos while I'm working graveyard. And I'm just like, man, I, I need this lens. Because I read the description on the gear they used to shoot this wedding. And I love the edit. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I was just like, I need the gear that they used, obviously. Because it'll make my I'll, my video look just like theirs if I buy the same gear. <laughs> That's the yeah. mindset I was in. Right, right. So I bought, you know, the kit with this lens and tripod and, and stuff and i had a gopro at the time and you know i go up we go up to oklahoma and i film this wedding and and it didn't turn out half bad you know and i was like okay you know people were commenting this is beautiful i'm crying and you know the whole wedding wedding spiel and i was just like man i made people feel a way you know a certain way i made people cry yeah just by video you know video and i was like that's pretty interesting you know and i I was just like, if I can continue to do this in, in other platforms, like, man, who knows where I, I mean, I might could do this for a living. I, I like doing this. So right. that's when I, I dove into the whole wedding market, you know, back in Mississippi and, and started advertising. And that's when I was like, I need a, I need a name. And I was like, I asked Lindsay, I was like, I don't want to use my Drew Seals studios or Drew Seals media. And, right. you know, I'm, I didn't really want to brand it that way. I was like, man, I need a name. And, I was like, I don't know. I was just, every time I'm, I'm sitting here editing, I'll, I mean, all I got is this lazy lab laying right by my feet. You know, I just, it's going to come to me one day. And she's like, well, why don't you just name it that? I was like, what? She's like, lazy lab. And I was like, I like it. We'll go with that. <laughs> so I take a picture of Ruger laying in the floor one day, turn it into a logo. I was like, we'll roll with this lazy lab productions. Sure. That sounds good. I'd buy a video from lazy lab productions. Sure. So, right. Went with that, started my own little production company, and I mean, basically, it was just me and Owen. You know, when I could pay him to help me out, and we were Owen Finnan is who I'm referring to. You know, Owen. Yep. Uh, know him well. Those out there, he's my first cousin. He's a he he's a freelancer, and he does you know phenomenal work, and he's growing, and it, man, it's fun watching him. You know, because it's like. It's like I get to look back and like he's like me last year, you know. It was just like, right. He killed his grand slam this year on turkeys, and it was just like seeing that. I was like, man, he's he's got that same drive about hunting like I did with the 
with the cameras and, and the filming aspect. Plus, he, yeah, he films and takes photos, too. So it's like. I I'm saw some of his Instagram posts yeah. and, and knew that he was covered up in turkeys this year. So yeah, that's, that's good. He's got the bug. He, and me and him both, you know, we didn't grow up. I mean, we grew up bass fishing, red fishing, and whitetail bow hunting. Me and him. I mean, he was my fishing yeah. buddy from the time he could walk. And, you know, we just we weren't really feathers guys. And, right. you know, whenever I started Lazy Lab Productions, well, I'm, I'm posting these hunting videos. And I'm posting me and Owen going to Ohio and these edits and and that's when I was like, man, I need to, I need to do something to get my name out there and network with people. And about that time, Heartland Bowhunter posted their film school, and I was like, man, I, I got to go to this. I don't care what it costs. I'm going. I put in the vacation at the mill. I'm going to drive to Kansas City to do this two-day film school by myself. Drove up there. And man, it was it was awesome. You know, I got to hang out with the Heartland Bowhunter guys, and I was like, man, this is unreal. And I was just like, if I can learn from them, you know, who knows? And it's just crazy how fast from from that moment, how fast everything grew. You know? Yeah. No, that's when I really started <clears throat> noticing a big, big, big difference mm-hmm. in your work. Was after you came out of that school. Yep, because actually, right before I went on that, Brian had uh, dropped his Cabela's, I believe it was a Cabela's commercial for their kayaks or something, and I was just like, who is this guy? Yeah, I was driving the boat for him on that shoot. Yeah, I was just like, oh my God, the sound and the slow motion and the voiceover he had and just how it was put together, I was like, this dude has got it going on, and I forget where it was. I don't know if it was when I got to Kansas City and I heard Mike and them talk about it, but I heard Brian was going to be on that trip. He was going to be at film school, and I was just like, oh, dude, I got to pick this guy's brain. Yeah. You know, I got I to gotta figure out what he, you know, what makes this guy tick. Because if I can do that, if I can be anywhere remotely as talented as this guy, I'll be all right. So, lo and behold, Brian shows up. You know, we hit it off from talking to him, and, and still at this time, man, don't think that I'm a. I figured life out. You know what I mean? I'm still, a, I'm still drinking. I'm still, you know what I mean? I'm still yeah. a clown, in my opinion. You know, I'm just, I don't have it figured out. I just kind of got an idea of what I kind of want to do, but it, yep. I didn't have all, didn't have it all figured out. So I, I go up there, and I'm having a great time, and and Brian can attest to this, man. I got sloppy sloppy drunk after the first day of film school we all go out and i get to drinking and it's just like one after another keep them coming sure and i don't even remember i remember standing at the hotel talking with brian and them but i don't remember what we talked about and i'm sure i made a fool of myself uh you know i don't i don't really recall it and i was i remember when I got home from that film school, I was just like, man, I made a fool of myself in front of that guy. You know, like he's never going to want to hire me to do any shoots with him, no matter how good I get. I've ruined that. You know, like first impressions are a big deal, you know, in the industry sometimes. And right. I was just like, oh. I mean, I thought I ruined my shot. And I was just like, man, this is not good. So, you know, Leaving there, you know, Lazy Lab just kind of 
it kept growing and I kept, you know, picking up jobs and, and going from there. And then ultimately I met you through Rob. Yeah. But you got, you got picked up through blood origins. Yeah. Exactly. How did that work out? Actually, funny story about that. The day I decided to quit the paper mill, uh, I booked enough weddings and enough gigs to, uh, you know, to keep me, my head above water financially for the next like six months. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember telling my dad, Hey dad, I think I'm going to quit. And he's like, what? You're going to quit the job at the mill? I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try this filming thing. You know, I I got enough gigs and I'm I'm getting better and I, I feel like I can make it. And he's just like, look, I support you a hundred percent, but I don't know if this is the right timing and uh, I just, I remember, like, there's no going back. I've done made up my mind. Right. And I told him, I was like, look, I'm I'm going to pursue this career in filmmaking and photography and see where it takes me. And they were like, do you want to put your two weeks in? And I was like, no, I have a, I have a gig tomorrow. I have to, I have to film and, uh, you know, I don't have any more vacation days and I just... I'm going to do it. And they so like, well, if you don't put your two weeks in, you can't come back. And, you know, they're, they're good about, you know, if you put your two weeks in and, you know, your job doesn't work out, well, they, they'll do everything they can to get you back in, you know, to the system. I mean, it's a, it's a tough job to get there in, in that town. I mean, it's, like I said, it's the job to have in Wiggins. Right. And it was just one of those things where I was like, nope you know what, I don't want to put a two weeks in. I don't want to have that option to come back because that'll make me grind even harder. You know what I mean? Knowing there's no returning. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, okay, well, well, no no hard feelings. We wish you the best. And that day I received an email from Robbie R. Kroger's at something. And I was just like, what is this spam? You know, didn't know what it was. So I was like, I'll read it before I delete it. And it was like talking about some hunting project, documentary film. Wasn't real sure. I was like, I'll hear this guy out. He said he was from South Africa. I was like, okay. Uh, this that was is, pretty much my reaction whenever I got I was like, his man, email. This is too. getting a little fishy. You know what I mean? I've seen this before. Uh, I know where this is This going, is sketchy. So, yeah. So I was like, man, I'll hear this guy out. And I was living in Gulfport at the time, which is down on the coast of Mississippi. And he was like, I'm located in Bay St. Louis. You know, would you like to meet? I work in downtown Gulfport. And I was like, okay, this guy is, he knows too much about me. What's he, what's he trying to do here? You know, like I was skeptical. <laughs> well, he was like, meet me at the Hancock bank building and you know, we'll have lunch and I'll tell you about it. And I was like, sure. Well, meet this guy. Not without, not what I was expecting. Right. You right. know what I mean? I'm just like, Oh, oh I do know what you mean. I don't know what to expect. A guy from South Africa, I don't, I don't know. He comes walking up, it's like a normal guy. I'm like, okay, this might not be so bad. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We go have lunch, and he tells me about this story and how he got in touch with me and and all that stuff. And I was just like, you know, and he was like, you know, are, are you available? Or are you, you know, are you working? Are you able to take on projects? And I was like, um... Yeah, just, I just quit, quit my job, my job this morning. Yeah, <laughs> so it's pretty convenient. I'm actually uh, looking for gigs as we speak. And he was like, "I hope you didn't quit based on that email I sent you." And I was like, "No, absolutely not. You know, uh, 
I just, I've, this is a, con, you know, just preconceived thing of mine. I just was, I'm ready. You know, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Or die trying. So. Yeah. He said, well, man, I'd, I would love to, you know, see what you got and, you know, see if we can make something work. And we scheduled a couple shoots to do the, you know, the pilots for Blood Origins. Right. You know, what is now the Blood Origins project. So, man, it's just crazy to look back on. And, you know, and that, that during that same time period, you know, I'm doing work with Real South Hunting, that, you know, that TV show, local TV show based out of uh, Summerall, Hattiesburg area. Yeah. And, you know, that's when they were like, hey, you know, do you want to come with us in uh, January to Arkansas, just outside of Stuttgart? We're going to go on a duck hunt. We need a cameraman. And I was like, sure, I've never been on a waterfowl hunt ever, but I'll give it a run, you know. So I, I did. that's where I got my first waterfowl gig was, you know, through those guys. And that was just a little over two years ago, so... You know, I'm hooked on the waterfowl aspect of of everything, man. It's just the camaraderie, you know, going from whitetail is complete opposite. And, right. you know, and then whenever we met you up at, I'm not even going to say the place we were filming at, but... Uh, in Mississippi somewhere. In, Missis- in the Delta in Mississippi. And I grew up bow hunting there you know what i mean like you were probably i probably heard your guns going off while i was bow hunting sometimes like that's crazy to think about yeah you know you were probably over there shooting mallards while i was trying attempting to find a big deer boy they got some big ones in there though dude man they do that they do so yeah we met um and it was just funny like robbie called me we Mm -hmm. got together and he said uh in his Robbie Kroger voice, which TJ Mallett does a better impression than I do. He does a, TJ does a great Robbie Kroger talking about a red crayon. It's the funniest. Oh yeah. I was there for that. I remember that. <laughs> the red crayon. You make the red crayon interesting or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, I want to go out and buy red crayons now. Yeah, um, no doubt. But Robbie's, he tells me about the, um, just kind of the project and what he's trying to do with it and what the whole purpose is. And he goes, you know, but, we really need a good waterfowl guy. And I'm like, okay, but you called me. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you get the wrong number? Did you think I was somebody else? I said, no, nobody knows who I am. He goes, that's, that's perfect. That's why that's, we want you, mate. Yeah, that's exactly like, what we want. That was Australian. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's as close as I can get. <laughs> um, so, and I, but I think that was the first time yeah. you and I met, right? Yeah, it was. I remember, I remember walking in, me and Owen walked into the, room and you was telling us about gerard and uh his brothers on their duck hunting yeah yeah it's just crazy looking back on all these little stories like you know hearing that story from gerard i was just like man that sounds amazing and now me and gerard are good friends it's just man i love yeah. i love the whole network and how it goes yeah i do too and it's it's um i think that's what i like about just the waterfowl hunting in itself is that exactly. yeah it's, it's really communal and and you know, when you're out there, yeah, you can talk and cut up and shoot the breeze and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a, it just seems like it's a more tight knit community of hunters than any other pursuit. I think. Mm-hmm. Without um, a doubt. I mean, well, you look at. It, I mean, and even uh, after the season is closed, I mean, it's like you know. Yeah, I mean, to get that stuff at a deer camp, you know, you got to film the camp. 
you know, you can't film the camaraderie in the field, really, unless you kill a big deer or, or something of that sort, you know what I mean? Because you're stuck in a tree whispering the whole time, you know, to where ducks, you know. You're well, but I mean, it's high. even, like, after the season. Like, you know, it could be oh, May yeah. or June, Absolutely. you know. Well, we're all going through duck depression so. together, you know. you got to have buddies to... Yeah. And we got all these photos from the... Right. From the season, you're just like scrolling through your phone. I need to post something today. Yeah. Like, what yeah. do I got? Well, I got ten thousand waterfowl pictures. I got like ten from this deer hunt. So, but but what did what was it that really turned you on to waterfowl? I mean, at first it was just you know I was so new at it. I didn't know I didn't know what. Why are you making that call? Why are you doing this? What What does it matter if you put 10 decoys out there versus 30? Or why are y'all moving them just because that one group didn't work? You know, or why Why are you putting them out like that? Like, I'm fascinated by, like, how different. And that's the beauty behind filming it, man. I'll go with one group, and they're, they, they hunt a completely opposite way of the next group that I hunt with. And it's just like... You know, there's really no right way to do it. <laughs> like right. we're all out there just trying to, trying to learn and trying to grow and trying to. Man, at the end of the day, we're just trying to fool these ducks. You know. Yeah. Same. And ducks. I find myself like, man, I want to learn how to blow a duck call. And you know, like I stopped in at Raggio's place the other day, like listening to that guy blow a duck call. Oh, like, that man, dude he, makes he me makes sick, man. Effortless. I'm like, man, it takes me an hour to get one decent like feed chuckle sequence or. Anything. Like, I know. I'm I just no want to. I, I just want to throw rocks at him. Yeah. See, like me, man. I'm, I suck with a shotgun. Like I'm better off with my bow. Like for real. Like I probably would hit more ducks with a bow. <laughs> Give me a recurve and flu flu airs, and I will yeah. probably be more dangerous than with a Benelli or something. So we get together. We go film um, my episode for uh, Blood Origins, which yep. I think amazing. if you remember. Well, yeah, I I knew it was going to be just, emotional because I can't. See, I didn't se- know what to expect. Well, I can't separate, you know, my faith and my absolute passion yep. for duck hunting are wound together. I mean, I can't unwind them mm-hmm. and talk about them independently, like in different channels. I can't. It they, it wouldn't make sense. Exactly. And so I told you, and I told Owen. I don't know if you remember. I said, but whatever happens do not turn that like emotionally whatever do not turn that camera off yep um and so uh yeah so that's yeah it happened and i remember i remember as soon as you like finished and we realized you said everything you wanted to say it was just like what did we just capture like we just walked to the middle of nowhere yeah to this certain spot didn't you know with this guy's a stranger right now. Like we just met you the night before for yeah. maybe 20 minutes. And then you hit me with that. And I was just like, man, this guy's, you know, he's, it's duck hunting has changed this guy's life. God's crazy. But with his plans, man, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What can I say? It's, but that, that led us up to you filming in us with Canada. Exactly. Uh, in Canada last year. Yep. And, um, I know I was excited when, because Brian came to the realization, like, there's no way we can get along with just one one camera roll. I mean, there's so many different things you got to. Absolutely. Um, 
and we've already uncovered that I'm not an option. So um, he said, uh, I think I think I'm going to call Drew Seals. And I'm like, yeah. Like, I, I had a really good feeling about that from the very first yep. time. But there was a lot of things working against you getting there. Oh, but man. there was a lot of things working for you getting there that we didn't know about. So exactly. talk about that trip. Man, it was just – it was one of those things. I was in the process of, of moving from – Mississippi to where I currently reside in Lufkin, East Texas. And, you know, just the whole move and everything, I was just like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it because we might be moving that time frame, you know, and this and that. And it was just like, Brian was like, no worries. If you can't make it, you know, I appreciate it. You know, he just, he really, you know, he stressed to me. He's like, man, I really want you in camp. You know, he runs red and he wanted the footage to match across the board. Right. And I understand that, you know, so, I was like, man, I, I would love to work with you. It's been a dream of mine, you know, since the day I met you. And just bear with me. I'm going to try to make this happen. And and it really, like, literally, I think it was down to, like, the last, like, few days. I was like, man, I don't think I'm going to make it. And then something happened. I don't even remember what it was. But I was just like, hey, something got canceled. I'm free these days. I'll go with you guys, you know. Yeah. And y'all were like, awesome. Sounds good. Meet us here. And I drove from, I had a meeting here in Texas, you know, with, with the company I work for now and left, left that meeting and hauled butt to Baton Rouge to meet up with you guys. And little did I know how monumental that trip was going to be, you know, personally for me. I mean, outside looking in, you know, it was just another gig, you know, but I was going to get to work with Brian and I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. And obviously get to you know spend time with you as well and then i mean yeah i mean you know how the trip yeah but what happened there dude because i look i'll set it up but i don't i don't know what was going on in your head i still don't know what was going on in your head it wasn't me i'm telling you i know that i know but it was so i'll set up it was the 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 last night before the last morning hunt before we were finished and it hadn't been it was a it was a good trip but it wasn't your typical we're going to canada in late october and it's going to be a smoke it's going to be epic yeah like we had i remember the whole ride up we were just like dude this is going to be epic you know like brian was like man we're going to have so much footage of this we're going to get this 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 and this yeah brian and i have fallen into that trap before you know man we got humbled real quick the ducks yeah. humbled you guys. Yeah, I'll say you guys because I'm no waterfowl hunter. I was just a cameraman. So no, well, I mean the problem me. is you go to Canada so you can shoot young, stupid juvenile birds, and yeah. there were none. No. So anyway, but it's the last night before the last day, and we're talking about you know different plans, and we could do this, and we can do that, and mm-hmm. and Matt, as only Matt can do, exactly. stepped forward and said, "Look, guys, I just want to tell y'all." Um, I'm here in Canada, and I appreciate the time that we're spending together. And whatever happens, let's just remember that we are here to glorify the name of the Lord. I mean, we are here to whatever happens, glorify God and just accept the sovereignty of his plan. And if whatever happens is supposed to happen according to you know, the way he has a path laid out for each and every one of us. And we're like, yeah, yeah you're right, you're right. I look over at you because you're sitting to my right on a bar stool next to Neil yeah. and Matt, and I look over and you were 
like tears are running down your face. And I'm like, yeah, I heard everything Matt said. I don't think he said anything to like offend Drew. Like what? It's hard, what is, hard to offend me, man. I mean, I don't. Well, I know that. So at this point, I can't figure out why. And it, it, Drew it, all, it happened literally that morning. It was the morning of that hunt. And it was that same day we were hunting that snow goose. Y'all had a bunch of snows yeah. put out. Yeah. I don't even remember. I can't even. We had so many hunts. I don't even know how to explain it to you. But I just remember a ton of snow geese decoys and this beautiful sunrise. And I was kind of. Brian had kind of tucked me back away just because the birds, you know, we assuming they were flaring because of the lenses and stuff like that. You guys uh, have this tendency to always blame it on us cameramen, but uh, anyways. Well, it's because it's y'all's fault. Yeah, yeah, anyways. But, uh, you know, just like sitting back thinking like, man, I get to do this for a living. And not only just for a living like just this trip in general like man so many things had to happen for me to get to this little shelter belt if you will or whatever yeah. the little patch yeah. of woods we were laid up in yeah in that hide and it was just like i get to i get to do this and tell stories and you know your project and i was just like i'm a part of this and you know there's something beyond greater you know that has made this happen and it's just it hit me really hard that morning, and I was just like, man, all the things that have led up to this moment, you know, yeah, I was a dumb kid. Yeah, I did this, but, you know, I was, like you said, whenever I met you in uh, in the Delta, you know, you were like, you know, you were a CEO, Christmas and Easter only. Yep. Like, that was me, man. I mean, I, I grew up going to church. My parents split at a young age, and then from there, you know, we, we quit going to church and I would go with buddies and stuff like that. But it was just like, that's when I realized like, man, this is my church. You know, the, this, the duck woods and the deer woods is, this is, this is it, man. I get to come out here with guys that are passionate about what they do. They're spreading the word. And, you know, he allows me to live this lifestyle. I mean, it, it's not even a lot. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it, man. Like, I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to wrap your head around but how I know great that, he can be. Oh, dude, I'm telling you. And, and I know that, and we don't have to go into a lot of details, yeah. but I know yeah. that that move was was stressful on yep. you and Lynn's. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, while we were gone, I mean, I could tell you get off the phone with her, you were just like stressed out, bro. Yeah. And I know that, you you guys weren't having an easy time of it. Um, yeah. There was there was a lot of things. Like the, there were a lot of things that Drew Seals was going through that we knew, and what we just tried to do was just pour love into you, dude. Yeah, and and that's what I felt. You know, I was just like, man, these guys. You know, they do this all the time, and I got to thinking. I was like, well, so do I. I mean, just they do it with yeah. waterfowl. I do it with deer. I do it with ducks, turkeys, and other documentaries. And right. you know, like, man, if I can, if I can just glorify him through my work and and stuff, you know, like maybe yeah. he'll lead me to bigger and greater things. And you know, I was just like, man, it's it's time. I'm at a time in my life where, you know, I was selfish growing up. You know, I, I, that's how I look at it. It may yeah. not appear that way, but like. 
I thought the world owed me something, you know, it was just, I was just a dumb kid and I was just like, man, you know. Well, if you're not, here's the thing, Drew, if you're not living for him, if you're yeah. not seeking to glorify him, there's only the one person you're going to glorify and it's yourself. Exactly. And whenever I decided that day to hand my life over to him, it, it changed tremendously, not just that day, but like even, I mean, now, I mean, I've never been so invested in, into him and, and, you know, just worried about pleasing him. Yeah. You know, it's, that's all I care about now. So that and camera stuff. I mean, like I said, I lose sleep over it and it's my church, you know, going out in the woods and wherever I'm filming. Like that's, that's my yeah. church. Like he allows me to do this on a daily basis and, and touch people's lives with stories and, and documentaries or whatever it may be a photo, you know, like it, anything like. If well, can, for anybody that hasn't, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, for anybody who hadn't heard the story in mm-hmm. that garage, yeah. I mean, you basically just said, you know, I, I just I want to get saved in a duck blind. So if there's yeah, any way that that I, I can be, I worked. <laughs> well, dude, I believe me. I just I thought that was awesome, man, because you said that if there's any way I can get saved tomorrow. I'm like, no, 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 Pod, we ain't waiting till tomorrow. This is happening right now. Yeah. And you had a garage full of men. No like doubt. standing around you with their hands on you, praying for you. For um, sure. Just, we were so, I still, man, when I think about it, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy that that was the reason man. that we were, you know, that you were able to go on that trip. And there's no doubt in my mind that's why you were able to go. Absolutely. And, you know, like the whole ride up, you know, I rode with Lee and uh, Josh and it was just, you know, hearing Lee's story, you know, he talked to me a lot on the ride up and, what we had yeah, like 20, 24 hours worth 26 hours or something crazy like that <laughs> like i was just like you know what i mean <sighs> i've never I've, you know i went to church and yeah I've, I've always been a believer and you know but i've never taken it real serious and i was just like you know it's time to where like dude he's, he's allowing you to do this like i look at other people's stories and i'm like man you know they've had it bad and you know i'm like look at you like you get to go out yeah. and hang out with the coolest people on earth Work with the coolest people on earth. Sometimes. Film the be- most beautiful places. You get to, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like a dream job. Why am I, why Why me? Like, I'm not deserving of this. So, yeah. I have, you know, I, I just knew, like, man. Well, you know what it is. There's definitely a higher power that is allowing this to happen, and I'm going to glorify it with every ounce of my body. Yeah. You know what it is? Um, you grow up in a religious family, mm-hmm. and you go through, and I was the same way. Um, yeah. you, you go through the motions because that's what religious families do, mm-hmm. but there's a time in your life and you hit it in Canada. I hit it when I was, you know, 40 something years old, but there's a time in your life when all of a sudden that faith becomes yours. Like you truly make that your mm-hmm. own. When you make that decision, like, no, this is what I believe. Yeah. And this, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And everybody else, you know, I'm, I'm through doing the things that I used to do or thinking about things the way I used to think. And I'm, I'm going to pray over my wife and I'm going to pray over my family. And I'm mm-hmm. going to be the godly man of action that I was created and called to believe to, to be. Absolutely. And, then, and, and that's what happened. That's what happened to you. Yeah. And for me, like, honestly, it was more or less, 
it wasn't so much that I was like, all right, now I'm going to really start believing. Like, cause I believed before I was like, there's something out here. Cause I've seen it work on other people. I've seen other people's lives change and I've seen right. other people come from the depths and, and rise right. to the top. And I'm like, you know, God had a hand on that, you know? But for me, I think it was more or less getting the doubt out. You know, I yeah. had, I had doubts, you know, growing up, like maybe it's not real, you know, who, you know, like how can there be a, you know, you, yeah, no, you no, get the I, doubt in your mind. You know, you're just like, ah, maybe. Look, there's still maybe. things that, yeah, there's still things that I'm like, I, like the Trinity. Blood can't fat my mind. Can I, eternity? Can you really fathom what eternity is if it has no ending? No, you can't. Exactly. There's just some things in our brain. That's why they call it faith. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just some things that our brains don't have the horsepower to comprehend like yours was calculus can't figure yeah. it out yeah you know this is golf yeah golf can't figure out why i can't hit a ball that never moves yeah. but um so you mentioned moving to texas and and where you currently are talk about um talk about nature's eye media and i just i love what you guys are doing i, I love the whole process of the 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 conservation aspect of the company but um Talk about Nature's Eye and your role there and what you guys are doing. Yeah, so, yeah, back in, it was time frame we went to Canada, late October, November time frame. I moved from Mississippi to Lufkin, Texas, and took a job with uh, Nature's Eye. It's a parent company. They have it's a multifaceted company. You know, they have a consulting, consulting company, and then they have real estate, an investment firm, media company, you know, and it's going to only continue to grow. And, you know, Blake, Blake played a big role in, in getting me over here and, and believed in me and, and just pretty much just took a shot on a guy he'd met once, you know, I met him through, uh, the blood origins project when we were in Texas filming, got to spend some time in the Turkey woods with him. And, you know, I was like, man, I like this guy, you know, and he, he reached out to me and was like, man, you know, I had a media company and I'd like to start it, you know, back up. And I think you're the right guy for that job. And so uh, I'm a gambling man. So I took a shot and me and Lindsay packed up and moved, moved over here. And I I take, I took over the uh, media side and I'm, you know, I fly the flag for conservation with media for the company, as well as, you know, we, we outsource our media services to, you know, other companies and in the industry, outdoor industry, and, you know, just any, you know, we still do weddings. We still do we, anything, you know, with photography. and uh, Anything you know, with motion. a camera. Yeah. Any any type of imagery, motion, stills, that's, that's us. So, you know, but on a daily, nature's eye is this, the stuff that they do for, the amount of work they do for conservation is unmatched. No, that's really, really cool. (laughs) It's, it's unreal to see it. I mean, like from prescribed burns to planting trees to wood duck boxes and just the uh, science of cultivating animals, making duck impoundments. Yeah. And their habitat. Yeah. And it's on a larger scale, you know, it's not, two acre food plots, you know, I mean, we're, they're doing, I say we, I just, I have a lot of pride for the company. It's just Blake and and his team. I mean, he has a team across the country that just, you know, they, the amount of 
stuff they do for conservation on a daily basis. I mean, I can't capture it all. I mean, that's I try right. to. Like you'll you'll see the reels and stuff that we drop on on Nature's Eye Media and you know the consulting pages and, and stuff like that. But I mean, like yesterday they're sealing a dam on a lake. It's going to be like a forty acre lake, and then. You know, you go from that to building duck impoundments on another property, and all this is happening at the same time. And like the other day, man, we planted twenty-one thousand trees before lunch. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> and to, like half of this stuff is almost seems unreal. I mean, it's just the list goes on and on. You know, for the things that they that they do here, but I tackle the uh, the media side, and man, it's a beautiful thing. It, yeah. it really is as far as the just making land better and and anything we can do to fly the flag for conservation you know that's what we're all about hmm. well i really just uh, uh you're you're making that whole you're making that part of the i don't want to call it an industry but just that whole initiative look mm-hmm. really 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 good yeah, and and I, I just, you I, know, I just nobody, I, I've been, nobody gets to see this stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, but I mean, if, if guys have needs for content, for social media content or for advertising or whether it's, it's network media or whatever, I mean, you're not a, you're not a captive agent to nature's eye. I mean, they would contract through nature's eye media for your services, but you could still, um, you, I mean, you've got different contracts for different companies right now that you're working for, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like I said, we, you know, we, on the daily, I just capture the content when I'm not working on other projects, you know, for right. other companies. I mean, that's just, it's, it's growing. Like, you know, I hope to have a team one day to where, you know, there's, it's not just me, it's you yeah. know, multiple guys out filming you know, have a crew out filming the lakes that are being built today. And, you know, right now we're mulching and building roads and putting in, uh, you know, shooting houses and planting 10 acre food plots and planting, I mean, you name it, they're yeah. doing it. It's, it's crazy. The scale is large. Uh, I make it, I mean, I can't do it justice, honestly. Like you just have to, the best thing to do is go to natureside.com and just read the backstory and that'll give you the, the real full effect of what what's going on here because like yeah. i said i just talking about it i can't do it justice oh you, no you'll, doubt. you'll have to get blake on here man because he would be he gets really nerdy when it comes to biology and he's a, a biologist from mississippi state well so, i'm waiting for homeboy to hit me up give me a he, date he said he's ready he, he uh he's my office is right next to him man it's it's a blessing being able to work literally 10 feet from this guy because the energy he puts off is unmatched oh i know i, I mean <laughs> we we got to meet him when we came there for that last weekend yeah. or so of duck season i think and um the dude is is he's he's not only passionate about his relationship with christ but yep. he's so passionate about the the animals yes but the habitat that supports the animals is what exactly. he is really super. And it's just, you sit back and you listen to this guy. They're like, Holy crap, man. I, don't know yep. I mean, like literally as obsessed as I am with the cameras, that's how he is about the, Oh, land. I know. That's why y'all <laughs> like peas and carrots, dude. Yeah. And I mean, 
it's just his energy just it's contagious and like I cannot yeah. beat the guy I cannot beat this guy to the office like I try to all the time I'm like man I'm gonna get there early Blake's gonna be impressed I'm gonna walk he's gonna walk up the stairs and I'm gonna have this this and this done he's gonna be really impressed man I get up here he's like where you been I've been cracking out emails all morning da 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 you know I'm just like man this guy he motivates me for you sure you just have to sleep in one night dog <laughs> I'm just going to stay up at the office all That's what night. I'm saying. Yeah, and just stay here. That's what I'm going to have to do, just like you do at the duck hole sometimes. Yeah, Joey, well, you don't, don't do, do that, that anymore. anymore. Nope. Yeah. nope, not anymore. What, uh, so in the last couple of minutes that we have left, yeah. um, if there's anything that we missed that you want to talk about, talk about it. what cool projects does Nature's Eye have coming up or Nature's Eye Media have coming up that you can talk about? Mm, man, we have a bunch that are I can't speak of in detail right now but just uh i mean the most exciting stuff is what we're doing internally at nature's eye to me i mean the response we've gotten since i've I've gotten here and started doing like the electro fishing and you know prescribed burn on a bigger scale than you know you're what you're used to and right uh you know just implementing implementing conservation practices on these larger properties is it's hard to wrap your head around it and that's what i just i try to do is is capture it in a creative way and and put it out there for people to see but you know it's not all about the killing and bloodshed you know and and a lot of it you know it's just like man it goes back to like god gave us this what can we do to make the land better for the next generations you know because we want our kids to enjoy this land we want our kids kids to enjoy this land and i want it to be here forever so anything we can do to to make that happen i mean that's what we're all about so but as far as as far as projects man i mean we just got through shooting a music music video this past weekend with uh you met sam shupak old sam old sam bo yeah he uh guy has the most beautiful teeth i've ever seen in my life i know and he smiles a lot which i don't know i would too so Old Smiley, yeah, they definitely, uh, you got to put your sunglasses on when he, when he smiles at you. But we filmed his uh, his music video this weekend on Sam Rayburn and had a blast with that. And uh, we're actually doing some work with uh, Gator Waiters this coming up weekend. Going to be filming a project with them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so stuff like that. And then, like I said, we have some bigger things in the works that we can't really talk about right now. But uh, it's very exciting and uh it's just it's super humbling to yeah. the people that's reached out to me since since moving here and you know all i know to do is just stay true to who i am and keep god first and the rest will take care of itself man dude i can't add any more than that i know whatever you and blake are working on it's really cool yeah. um on a on a personal note i just want to tell you how proud i am of you you're, you're growing leaps and bounds every with every image every video you post um I could just, I could see that growth within you. Um, I'm super happy for you and Lens. Um, I appreciate you know, that. I just, man. I hope that, I hope that all that, everything just keeps going, um, going the way God wants it to go. For and, sure. and you guys just stay humble and be content with wherever he's leading you and happiness and joy will follow. So Absolutely. Um, I appreciate you being on, dude. Man, I appreciate you having me, man. Like yep. I said, uh, I'm not that interesting of a cat. Uh, it's been a blessing, and I know for a fact he had his hand on it the whole way. 
because uh, I couldn't have dreamed it up any better than I got it. No, no. Well, brother, I love you like crazy, man. I hope to see thanks. you soon. And uh, thanks for coming on with us, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Drew, for coming in and spending time with us. I can't wait till we get to hang out again, brother. Um, guys and gals, if you haven't yet seen Drew's work, you can look him up on Instagram under Nature's Eye Media. You'll see some of the most moving content and images you'll ever see, I promise you. Uh, also, you can link to his content in our show notes. I'll go ahead and drop a, a link to his Instagram page in our show notes. Thanks again, Drew. Uh, we love you and Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming on. We'd like to also thank Edge Duck Boats, Tahatsu Outboards, Rite Shotguns, Apex Ammunition, and Sitka Gear for supporting Passion of Pursuit, as well as Revelation Outdoors, Waterfowl Ministry, and the No Limits Podcast. Without the help of these companies, we could not do what we do, so I humbly ask you, our listening audience, to support the companies that support us. We appreciate it. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen. It helps us continue to keep climbing the rankings. And if you wouldn't mind, please share the episode with a hunting buddy. We really appreciate that, too. That's it. That's all the time we have. Until next episode, bye-bye, y'all. Yeah, baby. Yeah, so good.